Life can take us on unexpected paths that leave us with emotional wounds and scars. But these scars do not have to be a burden that we carry alone. I'm Jocelyn Biederset, a childhood sexual assault survivor, and this is Invisible Scars, a podcast where we connect and learn from those who have come out stronger on the other side of trauma. In this week's episode, I am sitting down with the host of the Honest as a Mother podcast, Amanda Gurman. Amanda is opening up the space for women to have the tough conversations regarding motherhood and what it is really like. She does this all while bringing her infectious sense of humor to these honest conversations. I hope you guys love this episode as much as I do. So Amanda, welcome to Invisible Scars. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes. Um, you know, we were supposed to have this conversation last week, but I I, uh, I made a mistake and I had the wrong day in my calendar. So I appreciate you coming back on and giving me another chance to redeem myself. <laughs> Honestly, it made me feel really good because I'm usually the one who's like mixing up my dates and like, well, you know, you're a mom. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I feel like I can't like keep my life together. So the fact that I did for once. I was like, yes. (laughs) I know mom life, right? So before we get into this, I know you've listened to the podcast, so you know what I'm going to ask you. I love to hear from my guests what they're doing this week, mantras they're telling themselves to kind of keep their mental health in check. And I would love if you would share with our listeners what you do. Sure. So something that I actually reincorporated into my life is turning my phone off at like nine o'clock or like putting my phone on, you know, like the do not disturb or whatever. And the thing where your apps all shut down and no one can contact me. I mean, other than like my favorite people or whatever in case of emergency. Um, But that reading before bed, so like no TV, no phone. I've been an avid TikTok scroller and we know how that turns out. I'm just going to scroll on TikTok for 10 minutes until I feel asleep. Three hours later. (laughs) (laughs) And you get the whole like, aren't your thumbs tired scrolling thing? And you're like, you just leave me alone. Stop judging me. (laughs) So that stopped. Um, Not watching TV before bed. So reading before bed, taking magnesium before bed and uh, putting my phone down. And then every morning I started this thing where I'm like, okay, so I live in Canada. So pretty much it's dark when I get up. It's dark when I get home from work. There's a lot of darkness happening. So I started each morning now with like, like today's going to be a good day. And I just find a reason why it's going to be a good day, whether it's like, okay, I'm going to go to work today and get a break from my kids and my husband. (laughs) Or I am like tonight I'm having dinner with a friend. So I woke up this morning and I was like, I'm so excited for today because I'm really excited to have dinner with this friend. I don't really do mantras only because sometimes mantras feel like they don't feel like they're me. Mm-hmm. Fair. Do you know totally. what I mean? I do know what you mean. Yeah. I love what you said about a couple things, actually. I start my day with today's going to be a good day as well. But the, oh, cool. the phone thing, I like, mm-hmm. I have such a hard time with that. And I find too, and I think a lot of, I've heard this from so many listeners as well, is like the disassociation from whatever's bothering you straight to picking up your phone. Instead of like yeah. processing it, feeling it a little bit, thinking about it, and then maybe going to that. But like the instant gratification of like, I don't have to think about whatever's bothering me. I get to check out. It's, God, I really need to work on that. The do not disturb thing is huge. It's hard. 
It's so hard. And it sounds like the most simple thing. Like I sometimes I feel like so stupid. Like, you know what I do at night? I just like don't go on my phone. Well, people might look at me and go like, okay, like so what? But it has severely impacted my sleep when I'm on my phone or watching too much TV. And also, I also find like my mindlessness is times a thousand. So you don't realize how much your phone, your TV, and all of these things right before you're going to bed can actually really impact you until you stop doing them. And you're like, wow, I feel so much better. What the people say is kind of true. Oh God. Yeah. I don't think anyone who's listening thinks that that's a small thing. I know we all do it, right? Like in all honesty, that's a really, really big one for me. I'm going to try and do that this week. Do not disturb. I'm going to do it. You can. So my only tip for everyone who's listening is to put the do not disturb on, but then like make sure your favorites are listed because one time my husband really needed me at like 5 (laughs) a.m. on the way to work when he had a flat tire (laughs) and my phone calls were not going through and he was like, oh my God, I know what she's done. She's put her phone on do not disturb. So make sure your favorites are in there. (laughs) That's actually so funny because I never have my ringer on and it drives my husband irate. Like he'll go to the grocery store Mm -hmm. and want to know if we need something and I will not answer because I never have my ringer on. So funny. Those are great tips. So, you know, Amanda, I would love for you to tell us a bit about yourself. I know you're an author, you're a podcast host, you're a mama, but give us, give us a little more. So yeah, I'm all of those things. I'm a mom to two. And I also hate starting with that, by the way. I don't know if I you're know, like right? that, but I'm I like, do too. I'm so much more than a mother, <laughs> but here I am. I'm a mother of two. <laughs> um, I have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. Um, and I am an author, like you said. I'm the host of the Honest as a Mother podcast. I am a huge mental health advocate. I'm in a bit of a transitional period where I'm kind of always been focusing on mom's mental health and maternal mental health and Now I'm kind of, well, I mean, I've always known, but I'm really noticing like just a huge need in um, advocacy, I think, for mental health as a whole. Um, But I also work uh, full-time at an oncology clinic here in Ontario, Canada as well. Wow. So you're busy and you're not just a mom. I'm a little busy. Yeah. I actually, people will say like, so what do you do full time? Like I have three, like <laughs> the podcast has kind of exploded into so much more than I ever thought it would be. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. I'm also a mother and I actually do have like a full time regular paycheck job. <laughs> so you are freaking busy. Isn't that so funny how sometimes like your passions will just like lead you into other things that you never saw coming. I love never. that. Me too. Tell us what made you decide to start your podcast. So when I had my second child, I struggled really hard with postpartum depression. And although, so I, like I said, I'm a huge mental health advocate. This is not, that was not my first time struggling with my mental health. I have been the most anxious human being for most of my life. And so when I started to struggle, I think I recognized that I was having a hard time. However, as you know, and I'm sure some of people that are listening, when you become a mother, it feels like there is this added layer to the the shame or something. And I was like, how could I be having such a hard time? How could I be hating my everyday. I was really struggling with intrusive thoughts, which was almost embarrassing 
at the time because I was like sitting in this whole like, I'm a mom. Like I I loved my first pregnancy and the postpartum period and all of that. And so what's different about this one? Why am I having such a hard time with this one? I must not like being a mother. I must be a terrible mother. Like, you know, oh. the whole spiral. And I started hiding it. I started hiding it from everyone. And then I started really struggling with anger. And I was approached by my husband who said, like, I don't know what's going on, but like, you know, that you're not the wife that I know. And I was struggling with like every time my daughter cried, it would just send me into rage. And she was like four months old, like four months old cry, four months old, wake up in the middle of the night and need to be fed. So yeah, I finally decided like, you know, there is something larger going on here. And I remember my husband kind of like held my hand and we called the therapist and, and it all just kind of came from that. So through my healing journey of postpartum, I started writing a lot about my feelings and I found that to be like a great way for me to get it out because if you've ever struggled with your mental health as a mother and you've ever struggled with intrusive thoughts, they were very hard for me to verbalize. So I would write them. And as I started writing them, I would talk to my therapist about them and she had said to me, have you ever thought about writing a blog? Like I think that could be really healing for you or something, a way you could kind of get your thoughts out there, but also help people along the way. And then I got anxious about like my grammar. So I decided that I was going to start the podcast and just hearing from other women like, oh, me too. Oh, me too. It's been like healing for me, but also realizing like there's such a big gap where you have a lot of mental health support, but then when it became to being a mother, it was like, we're not allowed to talk about how we struggle. We're not allowed to talk about how much, you know, I hate being a mom today. We're not allowed to talk about our intrusive thoughts because that means your baby's going to get taken away from you and you're a terrible mother. And so I just started sharing all of my scary thoughts and that's kind of just where it's led to now. Here I am now. Honestly, like as you're talking, I just want to like stand up and start clapping because I, you have no idea how much I relate to everything that you're saying. Like, and you're right. Like, oh, my baby will be taken away from me. Oh, this will happen. I'm a terrible mother. People are going to judge me. What's wrong with me? I distinctly remember I've wanted to be a mom my entire life. Like I've always wanted to be a mom and I had a hard time when I was pregnant. But then when my daughter finally came, I've told this story only to my husband, but I remember like after I had a C-section and I had a rough labor. And I remember after they brought the baby to me, I looked at my husband and he was crying and so emotional. And I remember thinking to myself, like, why am I not crying? I don't even feel emotional. So I pretended to cry. I was like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, Mm -hmm. so like, I just felt awful. And then days after that, like, I just had a, I remember it took about two or three days. And it was just her and I at like two o'clock in the morning in the hospital. And I looked at her and I was like, okay, now I feel it. Now I feel the love and I, now I feel the connection, but you know, sometimes it takes you a bit. And then hearing you talk about Mm -hmm. the intrusive thoughts, oh, Amanda, like I would be like, what if someone broke into the house and tried to steal her? Would I jump out onto the roof? How would I get down? Would I have to throw her? Like the worst of every horrible situation would come into my head. 
Yeah. And I mean, they're and now understanding what they are. Like they're just an anxious thought. But it's so insane to me how you tie in like there must be something wrong with me inside the thought. Like, of course, no one's going to break in. But then all of a sudden you're like, okay, so if someone breaks in, it's because I didn't lock the door because I'm a terrible mother. So this child's going to get taken away from me because I'm the worst mother who has ever existed. You know, I remember going to my doctor and him asking me about postpartum depression and if I was okay. And I was like, oh, totally fine. And then I remember taking my daughter for her first shots and the nurse was like, how are you doing? Are you having these thoughts? Blah, blah, blah. And I remember thinking like, well, there's no way I'm admitting that. Yes, but I like completely lied and told nobody. Mm -hmm. So the first time that I ever told someone what I was struggling with. So I, my intrusive thoughts were more around like, having my daughter at all. My intrusive thoughts were very like, you know, I wish I didn't have her. I shouldn't have had her because she deserves a better mother. Like I would lay in my son's bed and just cry and think about like, I wish that I would have just kept it him and I, because I was good at that. This I'm like really bad at and she deserves somebody different and, you know, all of those things. And when I finally decided to tell someone, they said to me, oh my God, you don't mean those things. That's so horrible. Why would you say that? Oh my gosh. Right? So I hid them. I hid them for so long. And I think that's why I find myself constantly wanting to tell this story because there are so many moms that that happens to, but they're having worse intrusive thoughts. They're having intrusive thoughts about hurting themselves or hurting mm-hmm. their child. And they follow through with these things because they're never given a space to talk about what they're going through or to talk about their struggles. And I think that they're more common than we even realize because there's not really a safe space where you can go like, hey, if you're having an intrusive thought, come here and sit with me and I will listen to you. Like a lot of people don't want to listen to it because it's uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable for me to think it or say it. You think, I don't think people want to willingly listen to people do these things either, but we need to. Mm -hmm. It's so true. This conversation needs to be had. And actually, I'm so glad that that I'm having you on today. Like I have actually so many of my girlfriends who have kids, like we have privately had these conversations in like a really safe space over a glass of wine where we're like, oh my God, someone will finally admit like, this is how I felt. This is how I still feel sometimes. And then someone else will step up and be like, okay, me too. And that's where like these conversations will blossom, but you're to have these conversations publicly, I can't imagine how many women are listening to this conversation right now thinking, holy shit, thank God someone's bringing this up. It's so big, which is was, I think, the biggest eye-opening moment for me. And all of a sudden, I'm like, so wait. Like, there was one particular time I had the opportunity to post on this um, Instagram page called Motherhood Understood. And she would always share different stories of different moms And she shared my story and there was like 1,200 comments or something crazy. And I thought to myself, if there's 1,200 moms who feel the way that I feel, why aren't they given a space to talk about how much they're struggling? Or why is it they have to go to Instagram to see a stranger post about her story to then go, oh my God, I feel the same way. Thank you so much for saying this. 
What a good point. You know, you're right. Why do we have to go to Instagram to see this stranger post about it? I don't know. I just feel like although mental health is such a big conversation, I still think we have so much further to go because there's still a huge stigma, whether you want to admit it or not, there is. And if and when you ever struggle with your mental health, you will feel that stigma because even someone like myself, who I understand mental health, I am an advocate for mental health, I still was like, oh my God, I could never tell anybody about this because they'll judge me. And they did. But I, I now know like that that's okay. Like, whatever. People are going to judge you either way. But um, it was so hard to work through on my own. It really is. So, you know, after your husband had brought this to you and said that you need to get some help, you know, what did that look like for you? What steps did you take? Was it therapy? I know you did a lot with writing. What else did you do? I did a lot of therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. I, I committed myself to a full year of therapy where I went every other week, I believe, for the first full year. I still go to the same therapist. We have not cut ties. <laughs> My daughter is five. I love therapy. Mm-hmm. However, the interesting thing too, I think about motherhood and something that's not always talked about a lot is once I started peeling back the layers of my postpartum depression, I really found underneath there was a lot of trauma from my childhood that was coming up that was presenting itself as postpartum depression. But what it really was, was things I never dealt with in my life because I didn't understand that they were traumas. I didn't understand that they impacted me so much so until I became a mother. And it's like, I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but sometimes I feel like my children carry every trauma, every insecurity, everything that is so deep inside of me that I've worked so hard to hide from the world on this like shiny silver platter. And they're like, look at my mom. She's so flawed. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. First of all, not true, but I know. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, when I sat in that therapist's office, you know, she, I will never forget. I've talked about it on my podcast so many times where I was telling her how like Connor is my son's name and he was two at the time and his terrible twos, which is like totally normal, would send me into overdrive and I'd be slamming doors and his crying would just send me into a rage and his whining and I couldn't handle it. And I remember her looking at me like, so let me ask you a question. Or were you allowed to whine and cry as a child? And I'm thinking, do you even know what you're doing here, lady? Because I want to talk about the kids that I can't stand, not me. Yeah, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about them. They're the problem. When in fact, then as we started peeling it back and then you're just like, wow, this is so much deeper. So I feel like sometimes when you become a mom, you hit this crossroads where it's like, sort your shit or continue with the same cycle as everybody else has. Often people will compare and say, well, it wasn't like abuse, like sexual abuse or physical abuse or anything like that. So that wasn't trauma. Like, no, that wasn't traumatic. And like, 
you're comparing and thinking that yours wasn't bad. So it can't be that. So you don't think you have anything to work on. And then as you start to peel it back, you're like, oh, okay, that really did impact me. That actually was a form of trauma. Absolutely. I did. I, I have been, I mean, I had a decent childhood. Like my parents are wonderful people. This is not a moment for me to say, you know, like I had these terrible parents because I really didn't. But I didn't understand that things like abandonment were big for me. I didn't understand that, you know, just the fact that my parents got divorced would cause me so many issues, even though like when I look back at my life, I don't really feel like it did cause that many issues. Turns out it did. I didn't realize not learning how to regulate my own emotions would send me into overdrive when I became a parent because I am now a parent who is a parent to two very highly sensitive children. I'm a highly sensitive person myself. I need to learn how to regulate my own emotions before I learn how to regulate theirs. And I don't know how to do any of that. And I didn't realize that that is traumatic all on itself, right? You don't have to be in an abusive situation to experience childhood trauma, but it's it's just not talked about enough. I think the word trauma alone sounds like this big, scary thing, which it is, but it, it also can be smaller little things like, you know, not being able to express your emotions as a child. Mm -hmm. I think that's so important to acknowledge as well. You know, I interviewed a friend of mine, Catherine Pennington, and she's a therapist um, a while ago. And she said something to me that I often will repeat. And she said, "Um, there's no trauma Olympics. And I just loved that because it doesn't paint to me, pain is pain. I may have this like giant T Mm -hmm. trauma, but I also really empathize and love to hear these stories and they all matter. Like, so anyone who's listening, like, and you think that your story doesn't match up to somebody else's, it fricking Mm -hmm. matters. And in motherhood, we so easily put ourselves aside. Yeah. We so easily just like something else is more important, but I love hearing what you're saying because if you don't deal with this stuff, it's going to show up. Your kids are your mirror, right? They're just, they're holding you up on this platter. And like you said, and it's, it's going to show up at the most inconvenient time and force you to face yeah, it. Yeah. I feel like I don't have a choice. Like I, I now talk a lot about like, you know, how when women say that they lost themselves in motherhood, I think I lost myself forever ago. I think that my children have now come to me, sh- flashed this mirror in my face and said, here's who you really are, figure it out. Or, you know, you can take the other route and just continue on your merry way. But like this, this isn't working. And things like postpartum depression happened, regular depression, anxiety, all of these things. So in a way, I kind of think my children saved me in sort of this very weird, twisted mm-hmm. way. But um, I would be curious how many other people kind of experience the same thing. Although you do feel like you've lost yourself in motherhood because it totally feels like that. And that's not to say you can't lose yourself in motherhood because you absolutely can. But it's really kind of put me down this journey of self-discovery and realizing like, wow, I really do have a lot of things that I can work on. And in the interim, also teach my children to be better than I am or I was or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I would love to know like where you're at with it now and rediscovering this new version of yourself and in your own healing journey with it. I feel like currently 
I am still a very big work in progress. I know that as my motherhood journey continues, things come up. And how old is your daughter? She's 10. Okay, she's 10. So I feel like you'll resonate with this where, you know, now we've kind of like we're going into like friendship issues and learning issues and all of and it, it like will bring up stuff. And you're like, you know, my my son really struggles in certain areas in school and he had like a full-blown breakdown the other night and it like brings out your own inner child where you're like, "Oh my gosh, like I I so know what you're going through. I empathize with you. But now how do I not allow you to sit in this? Cuz my parents would always do, you know, this and I now know that's not the right answer. So I'm like, oh, "Okay, what do I do now?" So I feel like I'm in a much better headspace. I am, I don't really struggle on the regular with my mental health. I have up and down days, of course, but I feel like I'm still in the thick of healing. I still feel like there's a lot to be done and mostly because of my kids. Like I feel like something comes up and they make me feel a certain thing and I'm like, okay, like what is this? And how can I work on this myself so I can be the best version for them? And don't get me wrong. I realize that my children will be in therapy for something different that mm-hmm. I have done. But yeah, I mean, right? <laughs> yeah, it's okay. We are advocating therapy also. Yeah, so definitely. I, that's okay. However, I don't know. I just feel like I feel like I'm still in the thick of it. I really do. I feel like I'm um, on the more positive end of it where I have tools in my toolbox now. I have an understanding of who I am. I understand my emotions a lot more. But I'm still really working on a lot of things, but without maybe without the struggle, I would say. Mm-hmm. That is so true. And you know, I feel the exact same way. I'm constantly a work in progress. And you're right. When it when your kids get to a certain age and then they start to unravel more things, you're like, okay, now this, now this, now this. And it's kind of a beautiful thing though, because you keep evolving into this like new version of yourself that your kids love a little bit more and you have a little more patience. And I want to talk for a second um, before we wrap up about how your children's behaviors can really trigger your emotions because I feel that so deeply and I know a lot of us do and and dads as well. Like I know my husband struggles with this sometimes. It's just like the whining and the crying and the screaming and suddenly like you just snap. And then you feel so freaking guilty, right? You're just riddled with guilt, but that's such a normal response as humans. But as we learn to regulate our emotions, we can like handle those situations better. Oh, yeah. Like my son or sorry, my daughter specifically, my son and I, we are very similar in a sense of like, he's very sensitive. I'm very sensitive. So I feel like when he has like a breakdown over something, I can empathize and I understand because I was very similar. My daughter is very like explosive and she's very, I don't even know how to explain it, but literally she makes me go from zero to a hundred oh, since the day she was born. <laughs> I hear you so loudly. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't know what it is about her, but there is something about her that sometimes my husband just has to take over because I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it is. I am trying to figure this out. But it's like, so if I could go back to my postpartum times, when Connor would whine about like the regular, like, you know, I wanted the blue cup, but you gave me the green cup, but you did ask me for the blue cup. 
And then you told me you wanted the green cup. So I gave you the green cup and now you're freaking out over the green cup. I found myself very triggered and being like, you know, you don't need to cry about this. This is nothing to cry about, which mm-hmm. like it isn't. It's just a cup. But now understanding what I understand, it was something to him. It, it was did important. mean something to him. It was important to him. And me telling him, you know, you need to stop crying. If you don't stop crying, you're going to go to your room. Do you want to go on a timeout? All of that, all I was doing was dismissing his emotions and asking him to shove them down further. So that was very triggering. My daughter, I can still do it because she triggers me so quickly. Connor Mm -hmm. would be like this slow, like, okay, I'm going to try you a little bit. I'm going to try harder. Scarlett is like, no, bitch, I want the green cup. And I said, (laughs) I want it now. (laughs) I love it. I love it because it's my daughter. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, oh, well yeah. let's just we we'll start a probably, support group. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna need wine. We're gonna need wine <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, she is just like very spicy. Tells mm. you exactly how it is, but you know what? I've bred this into her certain things about expressing your emotions, and it's safe to do that. I still, I still fuck up. Like I still will snap on her for being emotional mm-hmm. sometimes. But you know, she's ten now, and she will actually fight back. So when my husband will be like, stop crying about that, blah, blah, blah. And she'll be like, you're getting mad at me for telling you how I feel. And that's not okay. And I'm like across the room, kind of silent clapping. Yes. I'm like, yeah, girl, like that's exactly what you should do. Right? Like, yes. it's so gratifying sometimes when those little moments, when those moments pop up and they've got their own back and they're just like, boom, you know, you're, them, you're like, yeah. oh, they are listening. Yes. That's my daughter too. When I lose my mind on her because let's get real. Like you said, we're all going to, we will all continue to, I don't care how healed you are, how (laughs) zen you are, nothing. You will lose your mind on your little children because it's just what they do. And my daughter will like still cry over it if I yell at her, but then she'll say, you know what, mom, you really need to say you're sorry to me now. And I'm like, well, she's not wrong, but like, (laughs) I don't, now I'm, but yeah, so I get what you're saying. Like my daughter is very like, hey, that wasn't kind. That's what she'll tell me all the time. Yeah. That wasn't kind. Or she'll cry and she'll say, you yeah. made me feel like this because you did this. And I'm like, look at her. Oh my God, I'm so proud. You're expressing your emotions. But now I have to come with my tail between my legs. And, right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so good. Like you've taught her so well and mm-hmm. I'm teaching them and we're modeling what we should be doing. And that's a really great reminder too. Yeah that they can give it right back to you. But it's like a totally. great reminder, like, yes, I'm doing it. They're listening. A hundred percent. You know, there's definitely moments where I'm like, oh God, she's definitely going to tell her therapist about this later. But we're doing our best, right? Like we're doing we're doing our very best. And I love the space you're creating and everything you're doing. So Thank tell you. everyone a little quick thing about your books and your podcast and where they can find you because you are doing incredible work. Thank you. Um, so... My podcast is called Honest as a Mother, and it has everything. I generally will invite like people like yourself, which you are coming to my podcast. Yes. You just don't know it yet. <laughs> um, I'm in. Where I just want to like shoot the shit with other moms and have like real conversations, or I invite like, you know, child pediatricians or psychotherapists or something like that, where I want to have like facts and, you know, something to for the audience to take home. And then my books were kind of born from there because I realized in the motherhood space, I haven't experienced everything that everybody else has experienced, obviously. 
But there are moms who want to hear stories from other moms about like, say, miscarriage or abortion or things like this. And I have never experienced those things. So I thought this would be a great way to have guests come on the podcast and talk about these things. But then I found some of the topics not wanting to do that. So I met my friend Courtney, who is a publisher. And I just said like, what if we did Honest as a Mother co-authoring books and women could share their like taboo topic of motherhood inside the book. And the first one had 13 authors. The second one has 17. And then the third one, I'm just was working on the manuscript this morning. There's 13 of them there. So it's just been like so beautiful to see these women just get so vulnerable and so real and so Mm -hmm. honest. And it's been a healing journey for all of us. And we've really bonded together over all of our dark stuff that we all have. Um, just some of us hide it better than others, but you can always come to Honest as a Mother and talk about all your hard yes. things, just like you can here on Invisible Scars, because yes. we all have it. Like We might as well just talk about it and normalize the conversation, mm-hmm. right? Oh, I love that. Very well said. Like Thank So you. well said. Thank you so much for coming, Amanda. I really Thank appreciate you, you being me. down here. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that today's episode provided insight, inspiration, and comfort to anyone who is dealing with the effects of trauma. Remember, you are not defined by your scars and you are not alone in your healing journey. If you enjoyed listening, please make sure to rate, review, and share this episode with a friend who could benefit from listening. We'll see you next week. 